This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Greetings, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 27 of Real Blend, a podcast that desperately needs a new name for Kevin McCarthy's beard. So, hey, yeah. please... Send your best suggestions Please. via email to realblend. Ooh, hashtag beardblend. At, at, we could do, well, I was going to say, well, send them via email to realblend at cinemablend.com if you want to use email. Or head over to our Twitter account, which is at realblend, and come up with your best beard nickname. And you can use hashtag beardblend if you want to I do that. I said Harry and the Hendersons, but Harry spelled H A. I, I like that one. I like Dirty Harry with the Dirty, dirty yeah. Harry is a or, really uh, good one. Yeah. And then someone said Harry Styles, but like H A I R Y, and then like, but like you spell Styles like with a Z. Wait, he was in Dunkirk, wasn't he? He was in Dunkirk. See, I'm <laughs> yes. telling you, this, I, I always try to bring it back to Dunkirk somehow. Every single show, time. And it works sometimes. I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, getting a beard trim right after the show today. I'm very excited about it. I love it. Um, my name is Sean O'Connell, managing director at Cinema Blend. I am joined as always. By my amazing friends and colleagues, starting with Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Hello, you I, handsome bastard. How are you? I'm great, Jake. How are you? Damn good to see you. Good. And the beard transporter himself, Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Hi, Kevin. Hey, hey. Just for the record, I also am attempting to grow. Well, and truthfully, compared to what I can do, which is nothing, that's really good. So, um, We said it a few weeks back that if we got reviews on our iTunes page, we were going to read them on the show and that worked a lot better than we anticipated because we have four brand new reviews. I mean, this reaction to uh, our iTunes page was staggering and in four, you know, in a week might not seem like a lot to you guys, but for a brand new show like us, that was really, really cool. So I'm going to read two of them because other than that, I just feel like I'm just like, we're tooting our own horn a little bit too much. So screen, I want to screen names away, for, dude. the screen names for these reviews are Jake's mom, 65 right. and Jake's mom, 35. She's very busy. Yeah. <laughs> very got busy. a lot going on. She's Thank actually the much. one that's going to be trimming Kevin's beard later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's a team player all around. Jan, Jan's right over here right now. Hey, so Jan. I, want, I would like to thank uh, Uncanny Comic Quest who actually floated us a very cool uh, Wonder Woman 1984 theory that we're probably going to use for a second. Oh, on that's the show. cool! I did read that. That was really interesting. I like that. I thought that was very clever. And then someone named Nash Thirteen Fan wrote a long and really cool review that made all of us blush and feel very, very proud. But um, Indigo Fifteen follows us on Twitter and wrote um, in one of our iTunes reviews. He said, "I've enjoyed watching Jake on Fox Thirty Two in Chicago for years now." So go ahead, Jake, take a bow. <laughs> That's Very me. nice. Uh, and I discovered Kevin and Sean and this podcast through him. Not only are all three guys expert film reviewers and extremely knowledgeable, but they are also funny, likable, and have an intense passion for film that you can feel in their discussions. Unlike a lot of critics out there, they never get nasty or mean-spirited with yeah, their criticisms. In, only in the text chain. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> we, wait until we, uh, we have our Jurassic World conversation. Oh, today. that could get... A little bit heated. And show yeah, respect could get nasty and mean for the actors and directors whose work they discuss, even when they don't particularly care for something, which makes the podcast all the more enjoyable. So he ends with great work, guys, which hey, I think is really, very nice. nice. Who, who that's is that? awesome. That is Indigo 15. Indigo 15, thank you. That's, and his, that's his or her actual, actual legal name. I think so. <laughs> 15. Fifteen. He's the fifteenth child yeah. of Mister Indigo. Indigo. Fifteenth Indigo. Yes. Right. And then also, so brace for this one. This is Maverick three hundred and forty-seven. Wow. <laughs> As in, there were three hundred and forty-six other Mavericks. Yes. Right. That's what right. we're saying. That, that, they that, they have to there. use their legal name when they comment. Right. They we, sat we know there that. and typed the name in Did until guys- they found. 347 of them. Did you guys not see the South Park episode about Apple's policies? That's in there. You have to use your legal, real name. So Maverick 347 is the person's real name. Well, they said uh, this is right, worth... Big Daddy Kevin. This is worth <laughs> subscribing to right away. They said this is an amazing movie podcast. Each guy has unique and well-thought-out views over the topics discussed. 
I love listening to this podcast each week. They are also great at connecting with fans via social media, which we like to do try a lot. As an aspire, oh, I like this. As an aspiring film journalist, Real Blend has been helpful in showing me how to be a good journalist and overall film watcher. How great is that's that? Awesome. That's, that's really cool. That's very cool. Isn't that cool? Thank you for listening. I, I, yeah. We appreciate, especially with all the negativity out there. It's nice that uh, it's nice that we're getting nice comments. So thank yeah. you for listening. It takes really a lot more do. efforts apparently these days to be nice than it does to yeah. uh, to be a douche. So uh, I appreciate the effort. Good. Let's keep this place a, a podcast for positivity. Starting with news. Jake, what's our news theme song? It's time for the news. <laughs> Starting with Spider-Man. Wait, was, that, was, that, was that planned? No. no. Not at all. Oh, okay, okay. No, wow. Totally off the cuff. I um, appreciate you think that that was pretty That was incredible. Though. The Thanks. Spider-Man uh, sequel has a title. It will be called Spider-Man Far From Home. And uh, we learned from Kevin Feige when we interviewed him at the Ant-Man Junket that that title obviously has a lot of different meanings. What do you guys think of the subtitle? Does it get you excited or you're going to go see it because it's Spider-Man no matter what? I, uh, I didn't, I, I liked Homecoming a lot. Um, I find that, yeah, I don't know if I necessarily in my mind at the moment am like feeling that I need another Spider-Man film, but I love Tom Holland so much. But I will say this, I like Tom Holland as Spider-Man in other films mm-hmm. more than I like spider-man movies alone um i think that tom holland interacts so well with the avengers uh and obviously the best scenes in homecoming besides the michael keaton limo scene are with robert downey jr mm-hmm. um so i don't know but I, I i'm still fascinated by how kevin feige is going to promote this film right uh, i believe if i have it right that avengers 4 hits theaters in may and then this movie hits theaters in july correct of next year so if you're Sony, think about when a trailer is normally released for a movie. Like teaser-wise, what, about six to five, four months out possibly? Well, so I looked back and checked on the last Homecoming, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, which came out around the same time in that same slot, um, had a December right. trailer, and then they had a longer Super Bowl spot. Well, I guess all they really need to do is use, to do a teaser for now. Right. They probably will mess around with the Thanos element. I would imagine probably. that there were probably enough people saw that. I guess the question there is Disney and Sony, they're two different studios, both within the same Marvel cinematic universe somehow, which is still very weird to me. Um, so I don't know how they're going to play with that. I have no idea. Unless the far from home means some sort of alternate reality, which Spider-Man is still in. Is it possible? This is before the snap. This is phase four, so how it can't be, right? It's possible, but Feige has said that Spider-Man, the Spider-Man sequel would be the first movie to address the Marvel Cinematic Universe after the events of Avengers 4. He's said that, but now he's basically said, That's don't assume true. just because we've announced Spider-Man Far From Home and a Guardians of the Galaxy 3 that those necessarily mean that they're in a phase. He's the, he's the king of misdirection. He's the master of three-card Monty and whatever I'm showing you, I'm not really showing you. So who knows? Who knows? And that's the deal. Like that's why I always sort of don't get super into speculating what Marvel is going to do because they're very meticulous about how they get out, give out information. Like the whole thing about Tom Holland accidentally revealing the the title. Like I don't yeah. buy that. Like that was yeah. no, no, no. That was staged. That was so staged. But that, that makes me like, upset that it's staged because now they they're now aware that Tom Holland's like this. The whole bit with yeah, him now is the whole him bit and Mark. With the accident, yeah, but yeah, you know, and and that's Do the like bit. you know, and I I feel like a majority of people realize it was staged, but then I did see some people reporting as like Tom Holland accidentally leaks the time. I'm like, no, like, come on, like you know, it's that it, it, yeah. Kevin Feige is right off camera like a blow dart ready to take this kid down. Like, <laughs> and and honestly, like the title, I think the title's cool, and, and if we're gonna keep like if Home is gonna be in the title of all of the trilogy, I think that could be cool. I honestly thought the next one was gonna be called Prom. Yeah, but. That did not uh, work well, out uh, I, I, I keep I'm, thinking about that Tom Cruise Nicole Kidman movie when I hear that title for some reason. What's that movie called? Eyes Wide Far Shut. Far and Away. Far and Away. Far and Away. Oh. I don't know why. Oh, in a completely different direction. Kevin's yeah. <laughs> always thinking about Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> <laughs> um, my disappointment is just like to me, the era of Sp- Spider Man's my guy. I've said that before on the podcast. I love that hero. And the the homecoming thing was like, he's not quite in Manhattan yet. Like he's not, he's still like Queens and 
So I was actually pretty excited that those scenes in Infinity War, the first time that we've seen MCU Spider-Man like fighting in uh, Central Park, right? So yeah. I was like, oh, good. He's going to finally go to New York. And they're like, no, we're going to Europe. Oh. And I was like, yep. oh, I don't really need wait, to wait, see him in this Europe. This one is definitely in Europe. That, that, that's the definite case. Feige said that um, he it's he's probably on summer uh, trip with his classmates and they are shooting in London so I think that some of it's going to take place in London who's directing the second one John Watts is coming back for it so Um, in news that I'm not sure any of us really want Indiana Jones 5 seems to be taking a step forward uh, with Jonathan Kasdan writing the script coming off of Solo please God tell me where he got the name Jones from (laughs) tell me it's because he was Jonesing for something no here's what's gonna happen here's what's gonna happen (laughs) Jones no 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 his name is God give me this his name is Jones and what's gonna happen is he's gonna be like uh, with his like he's gonna be in college or whatever right and then we're gonna flash back to him in college and he's gonna be dating a girl and she's gonna be from Indiana and then they're gonna go to Indiana to meet her parents, and then they're gonna legally change his name to Indiana Jones. <laughs> Don't, isn't there a scene in Deadpool where like he gets the name Deadpool from something that's written on the? They make board? fun of scenes like that. Yeah, he literally they make a song about how terrible that idea is. They go, it's right. called Captain Deadpool, and it's this whole song about coming up with a name based on a scene like that. Also, I think Deadpool that's just a snatch reference. Yeah, yeah. Well, then someone's gonna did, say, "Wait, someone's gonna say Indiana." I can't say that the whole time. We'll just call you Indy. Oh my uh, God. That, honestly, that's going to happen. You guys do realize that. This, gen, this guy who wrote and this. I will be okay with it. No, you're not going to be okay with it because it's a horrible idea. And I think, yeah, if that happens with the Indiana and Indy thing, I'm going to scream. Like, it's good. Like, that was. I don't understand why they're hiring this guy. I mean, listen, I think Kasdan. Oh my Lawrence, God, you sound like a Star Wars fan. No, Lawrence Kasdan is a great writer and he's great, written some great Star Wars film. But when he brought in John, Solo was a bad script. It's a horrible script. And I don't know why John is writing. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand a, how it. How is that a it's horrible It's a bad script. script. Okay, wait. It's but a, that's not what concerns me. Harrison Ford is 75 years old. Like, by the time he starts to shoot it. And he looks great. I'm not saying he doesn't look great. But, like, aren't we, aren't we get to a point where it's too old to do this? Don't we no, have to sort of stop? And, and if Spielberg only has X amount of movies left... Should one of them be Indiana Jones five? Here's what I'll say: Is that I look, I'm intrigued by the idea of a Lucasless Indiana Jones. Okay. Uh, his his fingerprints were all over Crystal Skull. Yeah, but the first uh, three were Lucas filled. Yeah, but from what I read, Spielberg didn't want to do the alien plot line in the right. in uh, Crystal Skull, but Lucas had final say over the story and said, you know, like I'm not going to sign off on it unless we do this story. And I think Spielberg begrudgingly. I think Spielberg probably hates Crystal Skull as much as we do. Um, I don't know. So he also doesn't he hates it. It's his movie, but like yeah, I get what you mean. I, he yeah, probably didn't like, want it to go that say, way. Yeah, but so I, I, I say give Spielberg a shot to close out Indy the, on his own terms. Okay, um, let's talk about the first image from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. I mean, it looks badass, but did it tell us anything? <laughs> Well, besides uh, the fact I mean, that they're we, very handsome, they just started <laughs> shooting. So I mean, I, I don't I, right. They're in production, correct? Yeah. yeah so yeah, I mean, yeah. like I mean, you know, it was kind of a cool little, just like you know, we had nothing. Did yeah, you guys I, see? I, the, I, I thought it was big. I, I I took it as like they're about to start filming. There's going to be they're filming outside in Hollywood. There's going to be paparazzi everywhere. Yeah. Let's control how the image gets out rather than paparazzi image leak out. Let's take an official image, put it everywhere, and now right. the paparazzi photos are worthless. And then, and then uh, that guy Matt Prince from uh, Taco Bell PR tweeted me that there's going to be a Taco yes. Bell in the movie. But if you apparently if you go to IMDb, there's already a Taco Bell shot on its on the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood page. I don't know how that got there. If somebody added that in, but there is an actual old school '60s Taco Bell already like up there somewhere. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, when did Taco Bell start? Was Taco Bell around that time? It had to have been if it's involved in the film. I don't know what when John Bell started it, but um, yeah, I do know the, the guy's name is John Bell. <laughs> I'm almost certain it's John Bell. And you and like then, tacos, so we're going to call like, it Taco, Taco Bell. Bell. Yeah. Thank you. 
Jonathan Castle. And, and that doesn't bother you at all. No, because it wasn't because it wasn't a forty year franchise where they where they then said forty years later, you're yeah. by yourself. I rest my case. You're solo. John Bell likes tacos. I'm done. <laughs> I'm, done. I'm, done. I'm done with this argument. It's completely different than what you're referring to. It's completely no. different. It's completely hey, when, different. When John Jacob Fillet decided he liked chicks. John Bell that was already part of Taco Bell's story when it first started the Han Solo part came in after seven films they said let's figure out how to say his name Kevin, He's by himself. That's tell dumb. us. I'm tell sorry us about the single. Track or no, 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 it's Glenn. It's Glenn Bell, not John Bell. Glenn You're not Bell. helping your case at all. It's Glenn Bell. Sorry, Glenn Bell. It's not Bell. the first name that I'm focused on. Because when I went to visit the headquarters, they were on Glenn Bell Way, so I assume that's the guy. That's the guy I'm thinking about. It's Glenn Bell, not John. We, Bell. we went to um, Lake Tahoe to see the um, presentation for the upcoming Drew Goddard film, Bad Times at the El Royale. Oh my God. Uh, Eric Eisenberg wrote some stuff for Cinema Blend and Kevin was one of the ones who got to go also. So now we're going to tap him for his knowledge of this amazingly beautiful single tracking shot that he does. Okay. Can you tell us a bit about it? Can you talk yeah, about it? Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's honestly children of men level good. I mean, I, when you even... said that, that blew wow. my mind. So this is one How of... How could it be that good? Because of what... So here's the thing. Children of Men level, what I mean by that is the the what went into it. So for example, okay, okay. the the um the actual one shot that we all know about from Children of Men, I think there's two that people talk about. The one I always think about is the is the is the SUV sequence with the ping pong balls yeah, and then yeah. the the but most people actually talk about the walk out. I think it's an yeah, infinite shot. That, that one's um, incredible. Yeah. But so I want to say in Children of Men that one or both of them are stitched somehow. I don't think that the other that the car one is stitched, but I believe the walking one is stitched. What that means is they like combine the shots. But this shot that Drew Goddard did is it's honestly something I've never seen before. It's simultaneously one of the most incredibly beautiful things I've ever seen, but also uh, it's a it's an interesting way to tell the story because it actually works. It's not just a cool shot for cool shot's sake. It's like Drew Goddard was saying. It's more along the lines of we need to have John Hamm walk down this hallway. So people who don't know, Bad Times at El Royale is essentially seven strangers kind of check into this mo- this hotel, this rundown hotel, and it's about redemption. Some, some really shady stuff is happening. So John Hamm's character, as we meet in the footage, he shows up and he finds this this back door area essentially where he can walk behind the rooms and peer into each room as he passes. So on the other side of the room, they're looking into a mirror. Remember in cabin of the woods when that, that scene, Mm -hmm. when that, when they first get there and that girl's changing and the guy can see her through the window and then he goes in to tell her. So it's very similar to that. It's, it's almost, it's very similar. And Drew Goddard obviously directed both of those. But you're walking down each room hallway, and it's, it's one continuous shot. Uh, it took 27 takes, eight months of preparation. Um, and the fascinating part about the shot is the reflections. So John Hamm is reflected against the mirror. How do you keep the camera out of the, the shot? And that, to me, was just... I've never seen anything like it. I don't know how... I still He explained it to me, and I still don't know how he did it. And it's, it's an interesting... It's a beautiful storytelling perspective because the whole concept is is that you, like John Hamm, are walking through this hallway and you are experiencing the unnerving anxiety as to what he's experiencing. So in the shot we saw, as he passes each room, we peer into one room, we see Jeff Bridges. He's doing something very weird. Then we get (laughs) to the next room, we see Cynthia Erivo. She's singing for some reason, we don't know why, but it's very weird. Then we get to Dakota Johnson, and she's doing something even stranger. And as the shot progresses, he goes up and down the hallway, back and forth, while Cynthia Erivo is singing live. And as as I just said, Sean, while you were away, 27 takes and eight months of preparation. And the way they did the reflections, which is kind of cool. So if you look in the trailer, you you can see the shot, part of it. You see John Hamm reflected against a window while he's looking into, uh, into somebody's room. The question there being, how the heck did they remove the reflection of the camera from the window? How did, did they you do ever that? Guys, did you guys ever see uh, how they did it in The Matrix? Remember that shot in The Matrix when they're shooting the, uh, the doorknob? The doorknob. With uh, yeah. Keanu's yeah, yeah, yeah. hand? And it, 
they had to decorate the camera to look yep. like more like a uh, Morpheus. Like yep. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, very but clever. In, here, apparently, they had the they had the windows on a swivel, and you could slightly turn them so that the reflection stayed on Ham, wow. but took the camera out. That's so awesome. there's no digital effects except for apparently the back uh, behind it. But there's a track that John Ham had to maneuver around, stepping over. So if you saw Children of Men, the car scene with the ping pong ball, the actors actually had to duck mm. down from the camera. So there's a it, to think about the orchestration of that moment, even with John Hamm, staying in character, one, everyone had to be completely silent while Cynthia Erivo sung live. So Jeff Bridges is in the room doing what he's doing. When we leave his room and come back to him later on, he's doing something different. All that had to happen while completely silent. That's amazing. Like, people had to come in and maneuver <laughs> him in a way for him to move and do things so Cynthia's song didn't get drowned out by, 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 by sounds. So it's very, it's, it's very elaborate, very interesting. That's on cool. top of that, technicality aside, it's a very interesting storytelling piece. Uh, and it could have easily been stitched. All they had to do is stitch it in between the walls. Right. And he decided not to because it actually makes it flow better and it's more immersive as the audience member. That's and right. you are feeling the anxiety and the unnervingness that Ham's feeling. So very, very cool stuff. And I rewatched Cabin in the Woods last night, two nights ago, and that movie's just a masterpiece. That's a hell of a movie. So I think that I think Bad Times at the El Royale is going to be a big film for us to all talk about once it finally hits. I still don't know what it's about. I still don't know a lot about what's going on. I just know what I saw was amazing. Drew Goddard is going to go on and do X-Force afterwards, too. So he's he? going to get to play with <clears throat> with Deadpool and Cable. Yeah. yeah. He, um, is it horrible that, like, with a director like that, I don't want them going on and taking on yeah. a big franchise? Like, yes, I, I love I the stuff like El Royale and I love The Cabin in the Woods. I would be totally cool. Like, whenever I hear, like, oh, this director is going to do a big franchise, because... I mean, you can only, I feel like you can only bring so much of yourself to a franchise as opposed to like something like El Royale or because he's got so many people he has to answer to with a big franchise with $100 million, $200 million. But when you're dealing with a smaller budget, he can do whatever he wants. And I'd rather a movie where he can do whatever he wants. He told me he has final cut on El Royale, which is a very rare thing. I I buy that though. Unless you're Steven Spielberg. But here's the cool thing about what Drew Goddard did. He wrote this, he wrote this, the script on spec. And he went to the studio and said, here's what I want to do. I want this song, this song, this song, this song. I want to shoot on 35 millimeter. If you want to buy this, this is how we're doing it. And they said, okay. That's amazing. And then that's the movie he made. I mean, so it's uh, like, Cabin in the Woods is, is, is like all the calling card you need, I would imagine. And well, Cabin in the Woods sat on the shelf for three years. I know, it's unbelievable. And like, I, I asked him when we got up after our interview, I said, Was it, did that make you mad? And he said... And did you want to go back and change anything? No, I, the, the, the cut that went on the shelf three years before we released it was the cut you saw. Awesome. There was nothing, I'm glad there was, that they, they probably they didn't try to... Because in that time, special Hemsworth effects. got Thor. I was going to say yeah. Hemsworth yeah. became Thor. I, I, I'm amazed that the studio wasn't like, oh, we, we hit a jackpot. Let's, let's cut this so that there's more Hemsworth in it. And, I, and what's brilliant about yeah. his character and if people who've seen Cabin in the Woods is the way the, the air quality in the cabin makes them think. And I love that line when, when like he's becoming very jockish, like he's yeah. becoming, and he's yeah. not that way. Well, and that, that, one, that's what's brilliant about that. Right. Is that. Like it takes those cliche horror movie roles and makes fun of them because he's he was like very smart, a sociology right? major. Yeah, yeah he. Yeah, the yeah. guy even says like, "What's going on with him? He, he why is he being a quote unquote dumb jock?" Yeah. Hey, he's yeah. like the sociology man. So that movie, movie. is so, oh my god. I mean, well, I mean well, I'd argue like I, I never really think of it as an apocalypse movie, but it's one of the best like apocalyptic movies ever i just i just never think yeah. of it as i mean if you think it's spoiler alert it's a movie about the end of the world and yeah. drew goddard's story is so cool and i know we gotta move on but real quick he grew up in new mexico he was telling me and i guess he just drove to hollywood and he called oh. every studio while he was there and said i will do anything i can possibly do on your sets if you let me wow and so he was he goes I, but i was always this excited guy i never was jaded so everyone around me was kind of drawn like not drawn to me but like they liked the fact that I was excited to just drive scripts around until three in the morning to different writers. That's how he got connected with Joss Whedon. Whedon then brought him on to Buffy, and then the rest is history. So we're at the Critics' Choice Awards, and the year that Cabin in the Woods was nominated for like Best Horror Film, we have the category there. And it was after the show that I walked up to Joss, and, I, and Joss was like, 
I forget the timing of it. Did he do Avengers and was about to do Age of Ultron? I forget which one it was. But I walked up and I was like, dude, I just want to talk to you about Cabin in the Woods. And like his guard dropped because I think he thought he was going to get like Marvel questions. Yeah. So we just shot the breeze about Cabin in the Woods for a bit. And then I'm, I'm like, who is this towering dude next to me? And I turned and I'm like, oh, dear God, it's Drew Goddard. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I thought you were going to say it was Kevin. Yeah, well, Kevin was also there. Kevin and Lauren were like right there with me. And then you guys ended up dancing with them. I remember. We, yeah, we had danced with Joss Whedon, which was so <laughs> Wait, crazy. I was there for that. You were there yeah. for that one? I, I, did, I, was, I did. I also danced with Joss Whedon. Yes. Because nice. uh, we have a picture. Was that the year we that We do, I, yeah. yeah. For, our, for, our, for our audience, though, if you haven't seen Cabin in the Woods, which I'm sure a lot of people have that are listening to our podcast, I highly recommend it. But Bad Times of the El Royale... Just keep that on your radar. And it wasn't on my radar whatsoever until I saw that footage. I didn't well, know anything about it. And I was like so... Also, can we say how weird our lives are that we could be like, oh yes, I was, I too was dancing with Joss Whedon. I like, 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 danced what, with what, Joss what, what are Whedon. our lives? So that, that that's something that comes out of our... I, I texted someone the other day, like, oh, like, you know, I, oh, sorry, I can't be at this event. I got to be in Paris on that date for Tom Cruise. And so and she replied back, who texts things like that? <laughs> like, this is, this, this is our life. Yeah, Jake uh, always tells a great story about having, like, like, like t- taking off for his job. And he put on the request sheet, um, uh, I'm interviewing Tom Cruise. I have to take off today. And then the yeah, guy was, like, was a waiter. I was a waiter and I got fired. And it fired. was the truth. And the guy didn't believe him. Did he yeah. fire you? Yeah, he fired me. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, I want to use Jake's transition from um, directors who shouldn't move on to blockbuster projects because we love what they're doing uh, in the independent realm to talk about J.A. Bayona's Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which had a huge opening uh, and, in my opinion, had no trace of uh, Bayona in it at all. So we I, I disagree with that. Disagree 100%. Well, let's get into yeah. it. Um, oh my god, that, this it, is that, a spoiler-filled... I disagree with you more on that than your thoughts on Forrest Gump. That's crazy. Like, the, the Bayona's <laughs> all over that movie. What are you talking about? Wait, are we getting into, the, are we getting into Forrest Gump? Because I'm ready for that. <laughs> no, 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 no. We are going to announce spoilers, so if you're playing along on the uh, Facebook page, know that we're about to talk in-depth now about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, you've been warned if you're listening to the podcast later. Uh, <laughs> go away, come back after you've seen Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which made... Uh, over the weekend, a boatload of money. We were talking about the fact that it earned $181 million domestically. It is up to, according to Gabe's notes here, $748 million. I, th- I thought I saw that it, did it cross? Oh, it hasn't crossed 800 yet. I guess it's coming up really close yeah, to it. I guess it's going nuts. to after this weekend. That's so nuts. Because it opened in other territories and, um, you know, the States almost, we got it like two weeks after a lot of other places. Yeah. So, um... I don't like this movie, and uh, I was really, <laughs> I was really disappointed in it. And I know that Jake says the more he thinks about it, the more he dislikes it. But I don't know if he's fallen down as far back as I have. And then Kevin really likes it a lot. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to start, and let me just talk because we kind of kept it out of the text chain yeah. about what bothered us about the movie or what we, what we liked. Because, it well, because like. it got pretty heated in the text Sean chain. Let's, hated, let's, let's Sean hated. Let's call it like it was. Sean hated the movie so much that he actually moved out of his house because he didn't want that J.A. Bayona poster behind <laughs> oh, him ever again. Man. So he's like, you know what? I'm out of here. My house has been Bayona. touched by Bayona. Wow. Bayona. I am, so, I'm out. So here's my, my take on Fallen Kingdom. Um, I think with all of these films, every Jurassic title needs a good reason to go back to the island. And... Um, Here's where I think we're all going to disagree. I think the rescue of Blue is not a good enough reason. It's not a compelling enough reason for these two people who have been through this disagree. really traumatic experience. But, but was, it the, was it the rescue of Blue? I mean, that's what got technically Pratt back. But the reason that they were all going back was the rescue of multiple dinosaurs. For Bryce Dallas Howard's character, yes. Like, yeah. I believed Pratt when he was like, no, don't go back. Let them die. Yeah. And I know that that's the crux of the of the movie, is whether the the dinosaurs have rights that are afforded to animals. And so maybe that's where I fall. Maybe I'm, like, when we get to the pivotal, should you push the button or not push the button? Like, to me, it's a no-brainer you don't push the, you don't push the button. Why would you release these animals in well, the wild? So the hook to get them to the island was never it just didn't work for me like so from that point on i was kind of out and i didn't get back into it yeah that's tough because i mean that's 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 the movie yeah that's the movie and i sort of disagreed uh, with that yeah and then from that point the well the volcano island is so hurried and i know kevin you've seen it a second time and you'd say that it plays well but to me it feels like that they are on that island 
in real time, the people are on that island for about 20 minutes tops. And you're trying to tell me, like, it's so hard to find Blue. He's so elusive. But, like, they can get him in 20 minutes and then get off the island. I don't, the... I don't think it was 20 minutes. I mean, you have to also understand how long Pratt was probably out when he got tranked. Uh, I think it was probably a couple hours, more than, more, way more than 20 minutes. You think so? Uh, okay. Definitely. I mean, I don't think, uh, how long does a tranquilizer knock you out for? I have no idea. I, I mean, especially know. a human being being shot by one that's intended for a dinosaur. Um, I don't think I think it minutes. would kill you. I think it would probably kill you. I mean, if we're digging, speaking realistically, sure, but I don't yeah, think yeah. he was out for, tw- I don't, I think it was way more than 20 minutes. Okay. Um, so uh, that scene didn't feel hurried to you. The, Dinosaur Volcano Island didn't seem like it was. That's rushed. actually the only part of the movie I liked. That seems amazing. Okay. Yeah, if I'm being honest, that to me like that felt like a fresh reason to go back to the island. A fresh reason to sort of honestly, if the entire movie had been a rescue operation to save the dinosaurs from the island, I think I would have been so into it because up until about the halfway point of that movie, when Kevin and I saw it together, <laughs> I looked over at Kevin and said, "Dude, I am." surprisingly digging this movie speaking right. as a guy who did not like Jurassic World right uh, and it wasn't up until ironically enough it became what I consider to be a, a Bayona movie sort of this haunted house kind of thing that I just checked out with the mustache twirling villains and the weirdly underpaying for a, four million dollars for a dinosaur just seems awfully low well, but you have to assume that if they get a dinosaur they're gonna spend a lot for like cargo and and housing and stuff like that right like like it's can't, four million is your initial investment basically it, see it still seems low <laughs> but only one of them you know they're expensive. the other ones were going for like 30 or 40 i mean it wasn't just but the four million i mean listen i mean like if do if, you know if what scene oh i'm sorry kevin Gunn. but if you're gonna get persnickety <laughs> about the um the price of a dinosaur it's like I, I I don't know. I, I don't I didn't look into it that heavily in regards do to like Do you know what scene strikes me as bad as the the tooth the, the, the tooth. solo well the I tooth. don't like the guy collecting the teeth um, like the they say to to Bryce it Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt they say as far as everyone else is concerned you guys died on the island right like that's mm-hmm. the narrative so kill them right there yep. like why do you leave them alive that is horrible screenwriting that I, is such a dumb dumb scene I did wonder that myself I think. That's I just Scooby don't know that those people were murderers. That well, the right. guy, That's that one fine. guy was. Well, I guess he. You could argue that he took out an older guy. I mean, it's still murder, clearly. But you could argue that maybe he these people weren't like cold blooded killers. So yeah. I, I don't know. That's fine. I, I, I just don't. I don't know. There, there's something to be said about somebody pulling a trigger and killing somebody. Like how far would they go for that? And even right. even Buffalo Bill, the guy that took the teeth from the dinosaurs. Yeah, he, even he didn't um, like he could have killed Chris <laughs> Pratt, um, but they said they shot him with a dart. So well, and I also sort of think feel that like, scene. Oh, I'm sorry, good. I don't, don't you sort of feel like just this franchise is becoming the new Fast and Furious, that, that where just each movie gets so much more over the top and ridiculous. I mean, think about like how far Fast and Furious has come. It, the first movie was this simple movie about street racing, and this last one had submarines racing cars through the ice, and it's just like. When you think about how just how much how ridiculous it's become over the course, and I feel like that's sort of what this series has become. This first movie was a very real, grounded look at yeah. man's fascination with playing God and whether or not we have the right to 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 bring these animals back when they were wiped off the planet to begin with. Like this really interesting study, and now it's just this really stupid like running from a volcano and then going into like they go into a house and then the, and now they're going to go to Las Vegas and now there are going to be dinosaurs all over. Like this is not what Michael Crichton had intended, and this right. is not what Spielberg intended. Let's get to that ending where the dinosaurs are now released. Which so we're assuming we're setting Ugh. up Jurassic World three, which Colin Trevorrow is going to direct, and if you stay through the end credits, you know that pterodactyls basically land on the Eiffel Tower in Vegas, and the T Rex is yelling at a lion, and Blue is uh, hovering which over. Which was half a, the trailer. Half the trailer was in the final sixty seconds. That was kind of puzzling. the last line of the movie is in the trailer. Yes. Yeah. Welcome to the Rising World. Yeah. Uh, that stuff is where does it, do do any of those scenes get you guys excited for what's to come? I do find it fascinating to think about those uh, in Lost World. Where did they go? Where, where, I don't San remember. Diego. San Diego. Okay. So the the, the global vagina. Yeah. The, <laughs> the global stretch though of like kind of what would happen literally becoming Jurassic World is. But there aren't that many dinosaurs that got out. I mean, what? Maybe. Well, they can breathe. Five. Five of them. 
Well, no, there's not five. Did you see there all were, the ones that left? No, that, there were like there 12 were like species, 20, 11 yeah, or 12 a, species, and there were various versions of, of the right. different species. And and I, like, we, we already have enough dino blending as it is. And also, dinos, dinosaurs are fine on their own. You don't need to blend dinosaurs together. They're fine on their Hashtag own. Hashtag dino blend. I actually, listen, I like this movie. I actually think it was a lot better the second time around. Um, I don't think it's perfect. I think it ha- has problems. Uh, and I think that there is some screenwriting issues. I think they're to the two side characters aren't great. But I thought that um, shot-wise, this thing was oh, I agree with you. Yeah, unreal. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Beautiful. not just not Beautiful. just not just the beauty of like the overall landscape, but just the choices of shadows and reflections, and um, just very old-school horror techniques that I thought that Bayona kind of sprinkled in there that were you know, there's a great moment where that little girl, I, if I remember correctly, little girls behind the glass towards the end and the what's it called the indoraptor yeah yeah it's like, like a but it skull cut, on it, her face yeah. oh it's such a great moment oh yeah. you see the teeth and like i thought it was an interesting thing because they were the same thing you know what All i right. mean so and wait but, let's get to the cloning in a well, second because well, i do well, want to bring that, that well, real quick real yes. quick but, but that's before the reveal right yeah Okay, was it before or after? It might be right the after re- because the reveal, the reveal is, is so fast. It's so but fast. The reveal actually it hits a bit harder the second time you see it. Um, I think the first time I saw it, I did not like the reveal because it felt like it was just like, "Hey, here's this," and then they get away with it, and then it's all gone. But once that button question comes into play, knowing the reveal and kind of sinking, let it sinking in a little more, that button moment is is a, is much more is much deeper than i initially uh, hit it. i'm willing okay. to buy that i'm willing to okay buy that. but here's here's my problem is that maybe that justifies it for the little girl but both chris pratt and bryce dallas howard have to understand the repercussions of pressing that button but they they they, they, they didn't want to press it bryce dallas I, howard closed it i know so they should be getting this girl away well there's i mean the button's pressed is nothing you can do it's not like, it's not like, I, mean, like I, I, I don't I, I i honestly think that that moment is very good on second viewing because the right thing to do is open that door but the problem is the amount of human deaths that could happen because of that which is where the conflict comes in with what bryce is dealing with when she closes it and i thought that was a fascinating thing that the thing that opens it is the same thing as the dinosaurs It, it, it it's it was built by human it was it's a clone whatever you want to call it um, but so I think that there was a fascinating depth to that scene that did not calculate with me the first time I saw it. And then it really hit me the second time. I'm not saying this movie's great yeah. by any means, but it, uh, I, I think there's a lot of great in the film and I think it's actually a more solid film than people are giving it credit for. Um, it is pretty well Andy, executed. Andy Erickson pointed out a really interesting point and I agree with him, the guy that's watching on Facebook, uh, that the, I think the opening scene is ranks among some of my favorite Jurassic Park scenes. That that scene in the oh, rain, yeah. where they're sneaking in, and the dino and the T Rex is. I, I, I kind of wish that like the poster didn't ruin that scene. By the way, the poster. Dude, totally. So Jake, I, I thought about it. you. I thought about Jake the other day about this. Jake, we actually are a, a little slightly wrong on that. You and I both are. So the poster is the T Rex going towards the helicopter. Yeah. Not but, the but, swimming but, dinosaur, but no, but the, that that shot was in a in a trailer or a TV spot because I had seen that that's that shot too. Right, but we where, had discussed, the, where the, the mosasaurus comes right. out of the. But you and I were discussing the poster ruining yeah. it. But and I, I'm I, just saying, like, I wish that, like, I did that, like, that entire scene, like, if like if I'm yeah. the marketing, like, leave that entire scene out, like that. that it was a cool, was great. That opening scene's amazing. See, like, I think this film is actually very well done. And I think the opening scene's amazing. The whole first act with the the the, the volcanic eruption, the one shot in the gyrosphere, um, all that was amazing. I think the second... Uh, then, then you have the boat scene, which is the fully animatronic moments, which were phenomenal. And then you have the third part of the film, which is the, the Haunted Mansion part, which arguably may or may not be as good as the beginning, but there is a lot to be said about what's going on in the shot choices in that third act. Um, and it is fascinating to watch Bayona kind of trickle in his horror homages in a major film like this. And the I think most the second beauti- viewing, is re- it's very rewarding, in my opinion. The most beautiful shot takes place in a really laughable scene. The most beautiful shot takes place in the cage where the Indoraptor's pretending to be knocked out so that the Love guy that can scene. go in and take the tooth. 
Yeah. Oh, but it's the, so what, what obvious. Is the shot? What, what, what shot? Um, it's like it's it's backlit. It backlights the Indoraptor from behind because she's like laying on the floor of the cage and it's white and the guy's like in silhouette stepping over her. Kind of. It's a beautiful shot. Uh, I don't remember that. See, I but would I, argue. Yeah, I like the the T Rex roaring with the. I know it's it's yeah. used in every poster and trailer, but the T Rex roaring with the volcano erupting by the oh, T Rex. Yeah. I decided. Yeah, to yeah. Do that shot. And then the shot when the Interraptor first comes out and the guy goes over to the Interraptor with the electric, electric, electricity thing and it's just the shadow on the wall of the Interraptor's face mm. as it, every time it gets hit, it shadows. And then there's the, I think the best shot in the film besides the one Jake and our, Jake's referring to is the shot when we first get a wide angle of Chris Pratt and Blue and there's this like gorgeous rainbow lens yeah. flare that mm. sits on top of Pratt's face. Um, which I'm, I obviously was not planned. It couldn't have been. Um, and they, I decided to keep it in there. It's such a great shot. And I think, I, I think there's just something. It's, it's a really interesting film. And I, and, and, I, and I definitely have problems with it, for sure. But I think it's a much better film than everybody's gonna, giving it credit for. All right. I want to get to an unpopular opinion for this week's conversation because it was part of our text chain and we had some fun with it. We decided to rank the second best Jurassic film of all time collectively recognizing that Jurassic Park is Jurassic Park, right? And right. And it's, yeah. it's everything that comes after it. Um, Kevin, go first. Uh, this one. Oof. But I, again, I haven't seen Lost World in three in ten years. So, it, I mean, I, this is coming from an opinion of I didn't love Lost World when I first saw it. I don't even think Spielberg loves Lost World. Um, I Three was a very – I didn't thought three was bad. Uh, Jurassic World I did not particularly like so people listening right now uh, if you disagree with my opinion on Fallen Kingdom I did not like Jurassic World so I thought this one was a major 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 step up from Colin Trevorrow's film um, I again having not seen Lost World in a long time I don't remember my memory of that film being a great experience I remember it, it has we, a great sequence in it. It has yeah. one great sequence. And then Spielberg basically admitted ah, that... I, it has I know multiple Jake, great sequences. I know that Jake's going to pick this. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to knock it a little bit. I mean, Spielberg rushed the San Diego stuff because that was supposed to be the, the story for part three. And then he kind of realized, I'm not going to... Like, bringing the dinosaurs to the mainland in the planned trilogy of Jurassic Park was going to be what part three was. And then Spielberg realized, well, I'm probably not going to get a chance to direct this third one. And I really want to bring the dinosaurs to the mainland. So, I mean, I believe that, I think that's how it happened. That's, that's the story as I know it. I don't know if that's a hundred percent true. I, I read that he wanted to do it because there was an, another old dinosaur film called the lost world in which the dinosaur goes to the mainland. I think goes to London maybe. And okay. then he was doing it as a tribute to that. Okay, so your is your pick Lost World? Yes, my pick's Lost all World, right. and I did rewatch all of the Jurassic movies before we went to Hawaii for the junket. So they're they're all pretty fresh in my mind. I just think that like beyond Park, they all have issues, they all have problems. Yeah. I think Lost World has the least problems, and then the like it's not going to be Park, and none of them ever are. But but Lost World has some great Spielberg moments, moments mm-hmm. where you go. That's the the trailer hanging off the cliff. Julianne Moore falling, hitting the glass. Yeah, that, that's that a great shot. Scene. Yeah, the, the shot of them running through. And this was a time where Velociraptors were so scary and not the pet dog, where they were like running through the, the tall grass. And you yeah. see not yeah. the raptors, but like the parting of the grass. Yeah. And the raptors are close. I mean, the raptors used to be scary. I hate that about villains. Fallen Kingdom is that yes. the raptors aren't scary it's anymore. It's a dog. It's a dog. Yeah. It listens to Dude, it. The raptors weren't scary in Jurassic World either. Remember, Chris, wasn't Chris Pratt riding one yeah. of them? The Jurassic, I mean, come on. Jurassic World uh, ruined. You the know me. You, you know, know me. You know, you know me. Ruined the like once. Didn't, once the raptors but, like they're they're jumping the shark was riding alongside. But the, you like Jurassic World, Sean. My choice for the best Jurassic uh, movie not named Jurassic Park is Jurassic World. To me, Jurassic World is the, oof, is the best one that they've oof, done since then. It's, see, uh, and it's actually it, it great. It goes against what you just said. The, it's actually my least it is. It's the worst one. No, no it's, it's, it's really good. I take three. I take three over I do too. No, yeah. and I'll yeah. tell you why. It's not good. Um, the main reason is because they have a legit reason for being on the island. They've successfully created the theme park that Hammond always wanted to do. And it's been chugging along nicely. It's a Disney-esque 
successful theme park, people like th- millions of people are coming to it. The only place where they screwed it up is that they decided that to make it more exciting. They blended the genes together to create this Indominus Rex. Dude, and then Jurassic World is, is the TV dinner of Jurassic yes, movies. It's, it's, it's a reheated replication yep, of something totally that, you, that you love. It's 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 yep. like, and that's that's why I take three over World because yes, three. Not a great reason to go back to the park, but at least it took chances, and it fe- it feels like a bad uh, but new Jurassic Park movie. There were moments where like they were at least going for something. They at least tried to do something. As Let opposed to Jurassic you. World is just like remember when. Hold on, hold on. But Fallen Kingdom is a great example of taking what Spielberg did and flipping it, and not just copying it and or reheating it, as Jake said. Um, the the idea of the human element of the story being a little more prominent than the dinosaurs, <laughs> but both kind of equal playing fields. As Bayona said uh, in an interview, in interviews that like the even the object in the mirror and the closer is closer than they appear. Uh, instead of the instead of uh, the T Rex, you see Chris Pratt or whatever. There, there. I thought it was fascinating. Well, how let me make one point. Jurassic let, World. Let, let me Jurassic make one World. point. It's its own thing. It doesn't try desperately to connect to the original ones by including a Jeff Goldblum or a Sam Neill. It's truly its own standalone thing with new characters that, that they, they hope you invest in. And for a lot of people, they did. I actually think Fallen Kingdom might've been a better story if they didn't try and force Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard back into it. If it were new people who just went back to the island on a conservation mission to rescue these dinosaurs and got caught up in a volcano mission, maybe I would have been like, oh, I'm totally on board. But every sequel since tries to cram in references and people that you know. So even when they do the the objects and mirror in Fallen Kingdom, it's like, oh, yeah, again, of course. Another reference to Jurassic Park. I thought it was that. I I think the Chris Pratt storyline of the and the reason they go back to the park in Fallen Kingdom is actually very good. And I, I, I think anybody, in my opinion, who under, I mean, everybody understands the idea of animals and just the, the, the uh, selflessness of them and the innocence of them. And it, it was a perfect reason for them to return. I, mean, I, 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 I can't think of a better reason for Pratt to go back there and get blue than them all dying. But that's I, what I'm saying. I, I, I think you don't need Pratt. I think you don't need that character. How do you get blue? You get someone else. No, no one else can get blue. Remember they even say in the movie that blue can smell even a mile away. Only, only Pratt Make can another get one. Make another one. You're just making them in lamps anyway. Make another one. Who cares? Same thing with the girl. Once I found out that girl was a clone, I never understood why these people were risking their lives to save her. So oh, make another the, girl. I thought the clone was funny. Was is once I figured out that the two kids in Jurassic World were brats, I didn't care about them. I just wanted them <laughs> to be eaten. All right, we have yeah, to Let us know those, on Real yeah. Blend. Jurassic World Real is Blend, not good, man. It's Dra- great. It's a- no, it's actually great. No, it's really Fallen Kingdom is I, I think what we're, we're the super fact that, like, entertaining. It, what we should be arguing about is not what the second best Jurassic Park movie is, but what right. the worst is, because that's where we all... The worst in the world. It's three. No, world. No, uh, worst I think it's world. three. World. No, I think it's three. All right, this week's game is uh, hashtag Arnold Blend, and we have two components of it, so we have to get going. because this that's Yeah. Fun. We this, have was fun. this was fun. Yes. <laughs> this was fun. It took me a second to stop and think. All right. Um, we have, we're going to pick his best performance, and we're going to pick his best line. Gabe, what should we do? Um... Three performances first, and then three lines, or... Okay, yeah. three performances first. All right, Jake, I've been told that you get to go first. Ooh. Best Arnold Schwarzenegger performance. I picked, actually, are we, are we uh, guessing or no? Oh, oh yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Gabe told Ooh. us we all have different choices. We do. Wow, we, we all have different, we Ooh, all have different, yes. different choices. Happens. Different Ooh. choices for the movie and different choices for the lines, I believe. That means Gabe, that- is that correct? Okay, wait, get, oh, yeah, oh yeah, gosh, yeah. all right, he's sort of saying. Hold on a second, if yeah. we have all different choices for his best performance, that means you two are wrong. <laughs> Probably, right? I guess. Probably. Okay, right, 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 Probably. Cool. Jake, uh, I'm going to guess that Jake says his best performance I'm hiding my face so you can't see my Is... Reaction. I'll say Terminator. Which one? Two. T2. I'm going to guess Jake says... Arnold's best performance is Junior. <laughs> uh, I actually picked the very first Terminator. Oh, uh, I I just think that that close that role wow. he disappears. In. I don't see Arnold when I see that part. Uh, I just think when that role when he's a villain, it's there's just a ruthlessness. There's no pun intended. There's a machine quality to him. Uh, as much as I, even though I think Terminator Two is a better movie. 
unfortunately, by that point, Arnold is so big, I kind of start to see Arnold more so than I see the character. That's but a in great that point. first movie, I just think I don't see Arnold. I just see this this almost like the shark in Jaws. I just see this unrelenting, nonstop, uh, uh, killing machine that is that is has this mission and is going to do whatever it takes to complete the mission. It's actually. I feel like kind of an underrated performance, and I'd argue borderline terrifying when you think of how how diligent. How it's just it's really really a scary performance, and it's one of the few times where I would. I mean, I love Arnold. He's not what I would call an amazing actor, but it's one of the few moments where I'd pause and go, like, "Damn, dude! Like, well done. That's a great performance." Okay, Kevin is up, and we get to pick, and I'm absolutely guessing T two again. Yeah, I would guess T two. <laughs> You know what's interesting? So it is T2. Um, (laughs) What's fascinating about what Jake just said is I completely agree, but then I also completely disagree with everything you just said, which is weird because I agree that that's probably the least Arnold-esque performance because of how uh, monstrous the character is, how machine-like the character is, which is an interesting thing to think about. Um... Early Arnold looks like he's made of clay, but he's not quite finished yet. He kind of looks like the Arnold that they recreated <laughs> yeah, in the later yeah. sequels. Right. Like, later he becomes yeah. more chiseled, yeah. and but, like, in Terminator, he looks like this mold of, of monstrous clay that's coming What's out of What's funny about that is that's kind of how I feel about T2 when, when John Connor's, like, poking his face, <laughs> and he's, like, picking the bullets out of, like, uh, I always I always love that, like, when he, like, goes, like, he's, like, it's like, he's like, cool, man. I love that. But um, I just, what Jake just said is fascinating to me because I agree that that's probably the least Arnold-esque performance. But then the reason I disagree with what you said is because I think T2 is the best performance of his career because it's the struggle of becoming human um, and finding human emotion within a machine. And I think the beauty of that performance is we know this person's this this thing is not a human being, and Arnold's restraint of allowing some of that caring element to come through while he's protecting John Connor, but he never fully becomes human, and to find that gray area where it's never obvious that he's becoming human is to me the the art of that performance, and I think it's fascinating to think about. I never thought about it that deeply until Jake said what he just said about Terminator 1 mm-hmm. in regards to that character being the least Arnold-esque and machine-like as possible. And now that I'm looking at Terminator 2, I'm like, damn, like that's kind of crazy that he found this strange gray area and was right. able to peek through with a bit of humanity. And I think the moment that I think everybody, it hits you, is the I, I know now why you cry moment. And he's just like... It's so beautiful. And then he puts his thumb up and there's just... The, it, every time I watch that movie, I just... I genuinely hope it's somehow going to change. And then, like, John's going to, like, bring him back up before he goes into the, the, the molten steel. And I'm like, I'm not, I just don't want him to go. And it's like a horrifying thing. And he puts the thumb up and I felt so bad. And just when he's getting destroyed by Robert Patrick's character. And it's just it's just a... It's a great performance by, by every standard. And the best scene in Terminator 2... Uh, James Cameron cut out, um, and it's in the it's in the special edition. Yeah, Jake's doing the smile. They brought <laughs> it back a little bit in Genesis, which, Genesis. which was but th- I was Poorly. you know what's funny about that as I didn't like it in Genesis, but it allowed me to bring it up when I interviewed him for it. I was like, I get to talk to him about the smile scene. It was like my favorite moment <laughs> ever, like having him like and he did it in the interview. I was like, oh my god! But like the the um that scene, if people aren't aware of it, John Connor's teaching him how to be more human. This is. Leading up, this is right after the Asa La Vista moment, um, as they're driving to that, that like, food area, and there's those kids playing with the guns, and, like, John Connor's kind of having that, like, that moment where he's like, the world's gonna end kind of thing, and he teaches him how to smile. And, like, Arnold, as Jake was saying, he's so machine-like, but to see this machine, like, open his mouth and start to grittily smile, <laughs> it's so good. And it's honestly, it, it, to me, that, that I wish that scene was still in the film, and I understand why Cameron cut it because of pacing, but it, it's it's interesting. So, hands down his best performance, but interestingly enough, what Jake just said kind of made me think even deeper about Terminator 2. Terminator 2 is the reason right. why, I, why I do what I do today, so it, like, that movie changed my life. So um, I did not pick you know. a Terminator movie, so you guys get to guess. Ooh. 
You went. Uh, I say True Lies. True Lies is so good, man. Ooh, you know what, Jake? I'm just trying to think of like where he's at. Wow, I don't know. We're, we're Dude, in... there are like four movies to choose. No, from. there's a little... <laughs> no, but there was I think an. We can arc... scratch off Jingle all the way. Uh, you didn't go with Predator. I mean, True Lies is probably the his. Yeah, probably. I'm gonna, I'll go with. I agree with Jake. True Lies. I picked True Lies. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah makes sense. True Lies. Yeah. True Lies is awesome. It is a great movie. <laughs> it's so awesome. But what 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 the, the thing about True Lies is oh, that it's that it takes everything that you love about Arnold um, and it asks him to just do more. Like in all of those movies, like Commando and Predator, like he's the the badass, unstoppable machine, you know, that has to fight against an alien or you know, take down bad guys who are going after his daughter. And, and and the whole characteristic of the character is just that he's an incredibly strong guy who can't be stopped. But in True Lies, it gives him new wrinkles to play with. Like, the whole subplot about it is his wife cheating on him. Yeah. Let's him play... It, it's his Bond movie, but it's also this great, you know, like, character-driven hook to a normal Arnold action movie. And it's weird to say that about a film that ends the way it does... With him in the cockpit, you know, piloting the jet. You're fired. <laughs> but but it just, it gives him, I think, more than anyone else did beforehand in movies like Running Man or, you know, any of the Conan films. Running Man's it, a movie that should be remade because that's, that's a great story. I like Running Man. Yes, story. it's a tremendous story. Yes, because the really guy does in half said he had to split. Yeah. Oh Even God. Total Recall, you know, is kind of like a well, straightforward Arnold movie. Yeah. But, like, I think True Lies just gives him, I think True Lies Cameron respected him as an actor and said, I'm going to give you things to play with that I don't think other people give to you because they don't think you can handle it and showed that he could actually handle it. The scene with Arnold and Bill Paxton is arguably one of the funniest and like most (laughs) geniusly written scenes. Just like, I love moments like that because like, it's almost like the audience has a secret window into this world that other, the other character doesn't know about. I I just, I love little things like that because like, yeah, we don't, like, Bill doesn't know that we know that Arnold knows that he's the one, like, with his wife. And it's like this, like, I, I, every line that comes out of Bill Paxton's mouth in that scene hits you so much harder because you know that Arnold knows what's going on. But you know what? <laughs> if Arnold's not good, then True Lies is only half as good of a movie. Oh, he's amazing. Right? Like, if his Van Damme is in it. But it also seems like he's having fun, too. Yes. Yeah. Like there, There's, I mean, like... And, and I'm not saying what he doesn't have fun in other movies, but it seems like he is actively enjoying being in True Life. It was a little. It's a. It's a looser role for him. Like it was. Yeah. It's like uh, he's just kind of. He's not. You're right. He's not. He's not like. He's not being the typical Arnold. But he's he kind. Has pretty good comedic timing. Great. Yeah. Great comedic yeah. timing. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> give it to him. Cameron. Yeah, Cam, Kim and Cameron worked great together, yeah. man. Like they were yeah. so. That was a great team, and like that was. I think Cameron wrote that script. I mean, that was like when Cameron was writing really good scripts. I think he wrote oh. that script. But um, yeah, so, all right. that version of Cameron because I want that. Okay, uh, yeah. let's go through our one-liners with quick explanations as to uh, why we chose them because we're running out of show. Jake, yeah, uh, I chose. I'll be back. There's just. I mean, when it when it comes to an impact on pop culture, I mean, you you say that line. I, yeah, I'm not saying they didn't have like other great one-liners, but you could probably say quote, quote a few, and people won't know what you're talking about. I'll Be Back is maybe the most parodied movie line in history. Yeah. And when you think about the impact, the ripples that that still has to, I mean, today, kids who were born years after that movie came out know what I'll Be Back is. And I'm sorry, like, to me, there's no other choice other than that one. You also have to say it like him every time you say it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) You can't not. Right. Kevin, what'd you pick? Yeah, it's it's a fascinating discussion because... um, yeah, if you look at it from the impact of culture and what the what a different cinema than Jake's 100 percent right. Um, when I think of best Arnold one liner, my opinion on it is it comes down to does it strike that perfect tone of cheesy and <laughs> and just awesome, but right. also it, it just works. And it and it, and again another window into the world of like we know something the other characters don't. And I think I mentioned this in the show last week, but I think the Commando dead tired line <laughs> is the best line because. Not only is it perfectly written, but it's so well executed. And people, so, Kevin, explain it for people that don't know what that what that line is. Well, explain it in context. It just the the, the, the <laughs> deadpan delivery of that line. No pun intended. <laughs> like, I, so for so 
uh, Arnold's on a plane uh, with a guy who's who's accompanying him to go murder somebody, or they're gonna kill Arnold's daughter. And the guy is like sitting next to him, and he's being rude to Arnold the whole time, and literally breaks his neck, like knocks him out, breaks his neck, kills this guy with no feeling whatsoever. Just I, I mean, the whole part of that movie is just him to get back to his daughter. That's all he cares about. He jumps out of a freaking plane as it's taking off. I mean, that's it's, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> But but here's the thing. So not only does he kill the guy, but he politely ex- says to the stewardess, "Excuse me, ex- excuse me, don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired." And like the guy, like he has his hat sorry, over. His... I'm not sure I get it. Can you can you really? Can you really... <laughs> no, Jake, we're running out of show. Yeah. Explain no, it, Jake. Stop. In all in all seriousness. Stop. But, but wait, wait 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 wait. Not only that, doesn't he? You know, he asks the stewardess for a pillow and a blanket, doesn't he? And then he tucks the guy in, right? I think he like literally tucks the guy in to go to bed, right. and he puts his hat over his face, like he well, he's treats dead him tired. like he's like a little baby. He's like taking care of this guy that he's killed, and, and then he tells the stewardess to no, don't disturb him because he's dead tired, and she thinks, oh, it's because he's tired. I'll leave him alone. You know, people fall asleep on planes all the time. That guy is dead, and like he just told the Jake, stewardess did you get that it? he's. I mean, it's... I'm not... I'm not <laughs> getting it. You guys can make fun of me. I'm gonna, Kevin, start back at the top. You guys can make fun of me, but that Is line, the guy alive? That line deserves to be on the AFI top 100 lines of all time. Oh, Christ. It I is a genius <laughs> line of dialogue. That I is, stayed in Commando um, <laughs> because it's so great. I know. Arnold, Arnold in Commando doesn't look like a human it's being. It's the best. He looks like yeah. he's literally shaped from metal. How His great is the beginning? Is so tight. How great and is he's the be- so ripped? How great is the beginning when he's feeding deer with with uh, with with um? <laughs> who's the daughter? Alyssa Milano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alyssa Milano. Like, and there's like this horribly cheesy scene, and like he thinks like someone's sneaking up on him, and the music yeah. just turns into like this like family thing, and he grabs her, and he's like, oh, and they, they go off on like this beautiful like picnic and like they're feeding deer and then he but starts the, murder he i think he kills 120 people in that film i think he, that that's his biggest body count there was the a website line i chose yeah there's a website that counts it right <laughs> the line i chose is when he throws a pipe yes. through the chest of the guy he's fighting at the end of the movie bennett. bennett and it goes so far through bennett that it it punctures a tank behind him yeah and steam comes out through the pipe and this, again, ticks the boxes. Like, Jake picked an iconic one, and he's right. But, like, Kevin and I both went for, like, just really cheesy over-the-top oh, ones where he says, let off some steam, Bennett. <laughs> steam but, is sorry, pouring out of his it to me. Let's break down. The, like, see, well, here's the thing I don't... That, steam that I think, is coming out of him, Jake. So is he dead? Is he yes. dead tired? Well, I don't know if that's the He's debatable. also an it's angry debatable. guy, so the, the steam element being right. let off, he, right. he, does, he, he needs to relax. He needs I mean, to relax. If you think about these lines, they're they're the the layers to them. It's, I quit. I, quit I mean, you podcast. guys, I'm, I'm I'm not even joking, and I know Jake thinks I'm joking. Yeah, I am. No, genuinely trust me, I'm very aware that you're not joking. There is right. a deepness to those lines oh that God. that people it, it, people look at them and they laugh because they're goofy. But if you think about the delivery. On those lines, it's stick great. around is another one I almost want. Stick around. I, I, no, I can't around. tell if I'm being trolled right now. You're no, not. No, nobody <laughs> this is can the show. Pull, nobody can pull those lines off except for him. It's true. Like, like other I mean, people have tried and it doesn't work. He literally jokes about killing a guy and says, "Stick around," while he's stuck to a board <laughs> with a knife through his chest. Okay, I mean, there is something to be said about like how brilliant that is if you think he, about it. The audience why, pick it, for his best film um, was Total Recall. People who what? played at home using Arnold Blend what? went with Total Recall as the choice, yes. And then Terminator T2. And you, Gabe, you're, now Gabe is trolling us when he tells me that Jingle All the Way was tied for second. I love Jingle All the Way. Put, down the, put the cookie down. Put the cookie oh, down. I love Jingle All the Way, man. It's one of his, yeah, it's one of his, down. his best <laughs> movies. Actually, Jingle All the Way is actually... Actually, I love Jingle All the Way. Another realm of the True Lies type of Arnold. It's a different, I'm looser... I'm Kindergarten Cop didn't get any love. Oh, God. Kindergarten, kindergarten Cop is Cop. great. So great. How That's horrifying great. is that scene in Kindergarten Cop when he falls asleep at the desk? And then he has that dream where um, the villain comes to the window oh, in the yeah, rain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. That, that scared really me so... And then... 
how violent is that ending in the shower? Like that, it and, is. And, and, and like, and the sh- and then then the mom comes in with the gun. It's like pretty horrifying film. Yeah. Honestly, it's not a kid movie. Um, okay, and I'll be back. Was a clear cut winner for for one liner. So Jake wins. Although I think Kevin and our description were were worthy, <laughs> definitely <laughs> worthy. I think we I think we changed the people's minds. I think so too. <laughs> and we touched some hearts at the same. I time. I think we touched some hearts. Yes. Uh, your homework for next week. We are going to play, <laughs> love when you two, per, you guys perk up to listen to what it's going to be, hashtag Burton Blend, where ooh. we will discuss the films of Tim Burton. Ooh. Uh, so ooh, please, be, start, please start weighing in now using social media. We can be found at Real Blend, R-E-E-L-B-L-E-N-D. I will remind you guys if you go over to iTunes or Spotify and all those different places and leave us a star rating. And an audience review, uh, we will try to read them at the top of the show. And thank you very much to all four people who left us reviews this week. Jake, where can people find you on social media? At Jake's Takes. Yes. Kevin, where can we find you on social media? Jesus Christ. That's Dunkirk, the shot with IMAX film cameras. That's my Twitter handle. I'm at Sean underscore O'Connell. We'll be back next week where we will tease... I love the person... Who doesn't reveal his Twitter handle every week has yes. more Twitter followers than the people they shout out their Twitter handle every yes, week. Yes, than all that, of us combined. That, that helps me sleep at night. That, um, that, Next that week, me Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, Tim Burton blend, and, uh, and Jake is going to come up with a new news song. So thank you very much for tuning in on the Facebook page, and we will talk to you guys next week. Dunkirk. Yos. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.